President Ferdinand Marcos Jr. meets with officials of the Agriculture Department amid a looming food crisis. Malacanang says it will be just a matter of time before the president fills up the vacancies in his cabinet. The lawmaker seeking an extension of the terms of president and vice president says the country's current top two leaders will not benefit from his proposal. And new COVID cases in the Philippines top 1,000 for the fourth straight day. We'll tackle that with Dr. Guido David of the Octa Research Group. Hi, I'm Carmina Constantino. Dateline Philippines begins right now. Thanks for joining us. For those of you watching us on YouTube and on Facebook, nice to have you with us today. We begin with this story. The Marcos administration held its first palace briefing a couple of minutes ago. Our very own Pia Gutierrez now joins us with details. Pia, over to you. Hi, Carmina. Yes, Press Secretary Attorney Trixie Cruz Angeles held her first briefing here in Malacanang. Uh, and then during the press conference, she clarified that President Ferdinand Marcos supports the creation of the Bulacan Airport City Special Economic Zone and Seaport. This despite Marcos's veto of House Bill 7575 last July 1 or the measure calling for its establishment. Malacanang noted the need for Congress to further sharpen the law and cure the defects of the measure, particularly the provision which exempts the Commission on Audit to look into the financial transactions on the economic zone. She said that there is a need for Congress also to clarify the procedures expropriating lands for agrarian reform beneficiaries, to clarify the needs and bounds of this economic zone, as well as a need for a justi justification from lawmakers that the zone will be nationally significant and will not narrow the country's taxes. She said that this veto to correct the defects is to prevent the constitutional challenges that are already expected later on and that the establishment of the economic zone will be delayed further if the law is invalidated. Let's listen in to what Secretary Cruz Angeles said a while ago. There's no indication of such certification, but the importance is evident in the explanation of the veto, that he merely wants these things to be sharpened. An approval of this law might result in a delay of the, its implementation because it might be challenged. So that, that's how important it is for him that a law is uh, more finely crafted in relation to those matters that he has raised. Also, Carmina, contrary to expectations, there were no announcements of new positions, particularly of the critical uh, positions in government, such as uh, the Secretary to the Department of Health. Uh, she said that the President is still strictly evaluating current candidates for the position, and that uh, while he has not set any deadline for the appointment, she noted that these evaluations are already on the final stage, and that she doesn't think that uh, these appointments uh, would be too long uh, Coming, and uh, this is what the secretary said about the matter. Wala po sa binibigay sa amin na sinasabi nilang deadline. Ang sinasabi is masu masuri talaga ang pag-evaluate nila dito sa sa mga kandidato para sa mga posisyon. I understand that is this is now going through the final evaluation stage. So 
I don't think it will take too long. Ang sinasabi lang namin is dumadaan sa matinding pagsusuri. Wala tayong sinasabi nahihirapan or anything like that. But because these are important, precisely because these are very important positions, kailangan dumaan talaga sa butas ng karayom. We will rely on the President's wisdom to choose the best people for the job. Meanwhile, the press secretary uh, refused to answer questions regarding the birthday celebration of the former First Lady Imelda Marcos last Saturday, pictures and videos of which went viral on uh, social media. Uh, Cruz Angeles said that she was not there, so she could not answer how the party went, but said that the concerns of the public on the supposed lavish celebrations making a comeback to Malacanang during the Marcos uh, era are uh, already noted. And she also insisted that the president will adhere to law as far as the social events in the palace are concerned. However, there is no policy yet, uh, much like uh, the previous uh, Duterte administration had before on how a celebration, so social gatherings, will be uh, held or conducted in Malacanang. She also said that uh, the the president uh, remains very upbeat and energetic during his first days in office. This morning, he attended the first flag raising ceremony in Malacanang where he addressed employees of the office of the president. And uh, Carmina, according to a transcript that we received of his short remarks during the flag raising ceremony, uh, the president encouraged uh, OP or Office of the Presidential Staff to go one or two steps beyond in performing their functions and duties to the people. Um, the Malacanang still refuses to divulge, however, uh, what the living arrangements of the first family will be because of the security reasons. Uh, this is um, uh, despite an earlier interview of Ambassador Bailey Waldes that the first family will be li living in uh, Bay Pangara. And uh, overall, it was a very cordial and quick press briefing. Uh, there will be no regular press briefing yet, and uh, she said that... Um, conference that will happen in Malacanang will depend on whether there will be big issues to address by the Office of the President. Carmina? Yes, Pia, they did release a statement. The Office of the Press Secretary did release a statement over the weekend saying that they will not comment uh, that they will only comment on matters of public welfare and public interest. So, and he, she reiterated that again during the press conference this morning. But the question is, Pia, if their office is not going to comment on such things, who will? Uh, well, um, actually, in her press uh, press conference a while ago, she clarified that the question that she answered was related on the billboard of uh, the former first lady um, appearing in Malacanang. She said that uh, the, the press uh, uh, statement was related to that, and that uh, because the the billboard was neither uh, funded by the government or it wasn't um, um, constructed by the government, and that it had nothing to do with any government uh, policy, um, then the press secretary could not uh, comment on those matters. But uh, she did, however, say that uh, as far as these concerns are uh, uh, concerns go, um, the palace or the, the, the uh, I'm sorry, the Marcos administration will adhere to law as far as uh, how celebrations or social gatherings will be um, held in Malacadia. So um, as far as that question goes, um, Carmina, she said that uh, maybe if the, the question uh, given to her is worded in a way that um, it, it does appear to um, concern um, public um, uh, public matters, then they will answer those questions, Carmina. 
All right, we're going to have to leave it at that. Pia Gutierrez there joining us on the line. Thanks, Pia. Take care. Keep safe. Back here in the newsroom, President Ferdinand Marcos Jr. buckles down to work as he begins his first full week in office. Joyce Balancho now joins us live to tell us more about the president's visit to the Agriculture Department, which he will be heading. Joyce, over to you. Yes, Carmina, President Ferdinand Marcos Jr. has just left the office of the Department of Agriculture here in Quezon City. He had an executive committee meeting earlier here at the DA's Bureau of Soils and Water Management office. He also visited the office of the DA secretary in the main building and had a photo opportunity with the employees of the department. The meeting started and ended on time. He arrived minutes before 9 o'clock this morning and left 12 o'clock sharp as scheduled. His whole activity here was not open for media coverage, so reporters were barred or were not allowed to enter the DA premises. Now, for those who attended the meeting with the president, they were subjected to strict health protocols. All should be fully vaccinated and should have passed the antigen test done on site earlier. They also submitted a health declaration form and all were required to wear face masks at all times. Now, to recall... President Marcos decided to take over the DA leadership instead of choosing a DA secretary so he could focus on addressing the important issues of the agriculture sector. In a press briefing in Malacanang minutes earlier, Palace spokesman or Palace spokesperson Attorney Trixie Cruz Angeles said that they have not yet received the details of the meeting here, that President Marcos himself might make the announcement of the details at the proper time. Next to his activity here at the DA office, President Marcos is also expected to grace the turnover and change of command ceremony of the Presidential Security Group. That will be later, around 3 p.m. at the PSG Grandstand in Manila. Carmina. Thanks a lot. Joyce Balancho there, joining us live. Back here in the newsroom for the sister of President Marcos, his veto on the Bulacan Ecozone Bill proves the independence of the branches of government under his administration. Senator Aimee Marcos sponsored the measure in the upper chamber. She says while her brother's move was nothing personal, she hopes it would not turn off potential local and foreign investors. For Senator Mig Zubiri, the project is not just a transportation hub, but a manufacturing hub that could bring in much-needed investments and jobs to central Luzon. Senator Joel Vinedueva as a project could improve the economy in his home province. The Philippine Chamber of Commerce and Industry, meanwhile, is not worried over the veto of the bill. Kung may mga makikita ng gobyerno, may justification, baka pwede nila iayusin na ang position namin. Whatever is good for the country. Ang concern namin, yung mga, lalo na mga MSMEs. So we were happy that meron siyang itong project, uh, airport project dito sa Bulacan. Ma-encourage yung tourism dito sa North, North Luzon. Albay Representative Joey Salceda will file a new version of the vetoed Bulacan Ecozone Bill. He says the revised version of the bill will take into consideration the criticisms of President Marcos. Concerns raised by environmental groups will also be addressed. That the power of Ecozone Authority to grant incentives, kailangan manggaling din po sa FIR. The rulemaking over ecological protection in the Bulacan Ecozone I think uh, kailangan ilagay pa rin sa DNR. Uh, wala nakalagay doon na provision for audit with the commission on audit. So we will put all these ano, um, conventional uh, checks and balances over government authorities. But the head of the Philippine Economic Zone Authority asserts it's better to have the Bulacan Ecozone registered with PESA than to have it declared a special economic zone via a law. 
a legislated economic zone will uh, mandate no, the government to provide the uh, seed capital, the uh, maintenance and operating uh, budget uh, yearly allocated uh, to, to maintain these uh, ecozones. And uh, to think that uh, the Bulacan Airport is a private ecozone. So it is but appropriate to register it with PESA instead of uh, having this legislated so uh, to spare the government of its uh, um, responsibility to provide annual budget. Well, as for environmental group Oceana Philippines, the Bulacan Airport City project could be struck down once and for all. See, Oceana hopes the new Marcos administration will have the political will to do so for the sake of the environment and affected populations. Hindi na talaga pwede. Hindi na natin kaya. Uh, you know, there's a flooding in Malabon and Fisher Fox attribute it to the uh, dredging, uh, you know, uh, mga reclamation projects na nangyari sa Manila Bay. Mm-hmm. NEDA has a study na dapat no-go na yung airport project na yan. Eh. Why are we not listening to science? Kailangan bang... Matabunan muna lahat bago titigil. Ang dami ng damages inflicted upon the lives of our fisher folks and our natural ecosystems. Justice Secretary Jesus Crispin Remulia attends his first flag-raising ceremony at the DOJ. There he vowed to uphold the rule of law. Mike Navalio has that story. Newly installed Justice Secretary Jesus Crispin Boying Remulia vowed to go after syndicates in three key agencies under the Department of Justice. That's the Land Registration Authority, the Bureau of Immigration, and the Bureau of Corrections. In a speech shortly after his first flag-raising ceremony at the DOJ's main office in Padre Faura this morning, Remulia said he will prioritize reforms in these three agencies. He cited as example at the Land Registration Authority syndicates who are allegedly involved in land grabbing. He also snapped extortion, human trafficking, and protection syndicates at the Bureau of Immigration. And he also cited what he called unceasing syndicate activities at the Bureau of Corrections, which he said destroys the country. He, however, clarified that 95 to 99 percent of the people in these agencies may be beyond reproach, but are tainted by a few bad eggs. He pledged that under his watch, the DOJ will uphold the rule of law. In the same speech, Rimulia said he did not apply for the Justice Secretary post, but could not refuse the invitation of President Bong Marcos. He said he was offered the post on May 12, three days after the May 9, 2020 polls. He surmised that it may be because he can get things done. That's why President Bong Marcos chose him to be Justice Secretary. And he said that he is always open to accepting challenges. He said, and quote, I have accepted all the challenges given me in my whole political life and probably my whole professional life, end quote. Remulia served as Assistant Secretary of Presidential Management Office during the term of former President Joseph Estrada. He also served and was re-elected as Cavite representative. Remulia has yet to introduce his undersecretaries and assistant secretaries, but among those present at the flag-raising ceremony was lawyer Jesse Andres who had earlier confirmed he will be part of Remulia's team, although he has yet to divulge in what capacity. Career officials, Prosecutor General Benedicto Malcontento and Chief State Counsel George Ortha were also present. Remulia said that uh, the people can expect that he will be totally committed to the cause of upholding justice in the country and the rule of law. And he said he's ready to give his life for this cause. 
Well, new Transport Secretary Jaime Bautista focusing on helping alleviate the plight of the riding public. Jackie Manabat has more on Secretary Bautista's first flag racing ceremony as head of the DOTR. Jackie. Carmina, the new Transport Secretary Jaime Bautista joined the flag racing ceremony and changing of guards at the Land Transportation Franchising and Regulatory Board Monday morning. He looked calm and all smiles as he greeted the agency's outgoing officials and present employees. He mentioned that he chose LTFRB over other sectors on his second day of work on a Monday because he will prioritize road transportation under the department. Issues have hounded LTFRB over the past week as the transport sector struggled with the, high, uh, with the impact of high prices of petroleum products. The new transport chief also noted that the long lines he saw on his way to the LTFRB this morning. And Bautista said the long lines of commuters along EDSA do not go well with the mandate of President Bongbong Marcos wants him to accomplish. Now, he uh, is meeting with LTFRB officials to discuss the programs to alleviate uh, or ease long lines started by the previous administration and what they would enhance or would probably change. Secretary Jaime Bautista also urged LTFRB employees to collaborate with other agencies where he said, quote, unity will be the key to being effective, end quote. And he also said that um, LTFRB would need to ask for additional budget for the other free ride service to sustain or extend the program. But as of now, Bautista said uh, they would still have to study whether to maintain or reprogram the free ride project. Bautista, the former president and COO of Philippine Airlines, said he hopes to bring his distinct work ethic and style of management into the department by exalting their personnel to do their best to be professionals. He also pledged to transform the Philippine transport industry and elevate it to global standards, just like what he did in the airlines. Secretary Bautista also challenged the new LTFRB chairman, Attorney Sheloy Garafil, to focus on helping the riding public, saying that their cries are getting louder by the day. Attorney Sheloy Garafil is taking the helm of LTFRB. She was a journalist and a director of the House of Representatives Committee on Rules. She also worked as a prosecutor. Shelley Garofield earlier indicated the orders of President Marcos to the regulatory body, which is to streamline the transaction process and agency, make sure to provide assistance to the public utility drivers, and prioritize the commuters' welfare. Road transportation is one of the hardest hit industries from the soaring fuel prices, and recently the agency approved a fair hike for jeepneys nationwide and also ended over 140 routes of free ride service. President Bongbong Marcos also agreed to extend the EDSA bus carousel free ride service until December 2022. Back to you, Carmina. Thanks a lot, Jackie Manabat. And back here in the newsroom, Social Welfare Secretary Erwin Tulfo also attending his first flag, flag racing ceremony at the agency. And there he ordered the resumption of the preposition of goods in areas where typhoons usually hit. Tulfo said that program was stopped due to anomalies. The new Social Welfare Secretary also checked out the first day of the distribution of 500 pesos per month worth of aid to indigent families. The proposed extension of the terms of the Philippine president and a vice president no longer applicable to President Marcos and Vice President Sara Duterte Carpio. That clarification coming from Pampanga Representative Aurelio Gonzalez, who refiled the bill this 19th Congress. 
Gonzalez wants a five-year term with one re-election for the next president and VP instead of the current one term of six years. He is also pushing to increase the current three-year term of elected local officials and congressmen, excluding barangay leaders, to five years with a limit of only two consecutive terms. Kung ma-approve to this 19 Congress, so mag-start po to sa 2025, di ba? So 2025, that's a midterm po ating Pangulo at ating Vice President. So palagay ko hindi na po sila pwedeng tumakbo dito. So from President, the Vice President, uh, Congressman, uh, local executive from Governor down the line, down the line, uh, yung mga last term po, hindi na sila pwedeng tumakbo. Like in my case, I am in my last term, I cannot run if this proposal For political analyst Edmund Tayao, the Philippines should also look into political parties. He says the country needs to have real political parties if the goal is to allow administrations to continue their projects and policies. We should uh, consider uh, uh, looking at the whole uh, political system. Anything and everything that's, uh, that has to do with politics and government uh, is dependent on political personality. So that's uh, what we need to cure. We have to have real political parties to begin with. I even if we are going to be changing uh, elected leaders every now and then, if we have real political powers, the continuity would, uh, that we, the, the continuity that we're uh, uh, aspiring for would not be that difficult because the political party will serve as the institutional memory. In other news, a major drug bust in Quezon City yields 272 million pesos worth of shabu. A Chinese national was also arrested in that operation. For more on this story, we're joined by Philippine Drug Enforcement Agency Director General Wilkins Villanueva. Director General, magandang hapon po. Thank you for joining us today. Yes, good afternoon, uh, Ms. Carmina, and uh, to all our viewers. Malaking halaga po ito, 272 million pesos worth of shabu. Tell us more about the effort that went into the surveillance operations, the eventual apprehension. Kailan po nagsimula ang surveillance ninyo? Yes, uh, we have, uh, before, before answering that, uh, we have a uh, mother Coplan in Pideya. We call it the Coplan Whisperer. Itong Copland Whisperer na ito is the mother Copland that uh, take charge of all transnational drug trafficking organization. So, hindi lang ito isang uh, operation, but it's uh, composed of different operations. Uh, since uh, it started, nagkaroon tayo ng 35 uh, anti-drug uh, operation na nag-result ng uh, apprehension ng 16 Chinese for the past uh, several years and the uh, 46 Filipinos. Nagkaroon din tayo ng 2.4 uh, tons of shabu na na-confiscated worth about 16 billion pesos. So itong uh, pagkakahuli ng uh, dalawang uh, Chinese national kahapon is uh, also part of the uh, Copland Whisperer where on uh, 10.30, itong uh, a certain uh, Kai Jai Shu ay uh, nakapagbigay uh, uh, sa atin ng uh, uh, 40 kilos of shabu worth 272 million pesos. 
And then succeeding operation naman sa Dasmarinas City eh, nagbigay naman ng 220 kilos of shabu na nagkakahalaga ng uh, 1.7 uh, 1.496 billion pesos. So, marami pa tayong inaasahan dito na operation dahil marami pa rin tayong minamanmanan. Hmm. And uh, these two operations are part of that, uh, uh, what I said a while back, that uh, part of the COPLAN case operation plan Um, Director General, through the years, uh, alam na rin po natin ito that the Philippines has um, not only become a transshipment point of illegal drugs, manufacturing has also taken place, is also taking place here in the country. Ito pong um, nakumpis ka ninyo uh, na shabu, dun po sa dalawang operations, were these imported or already manufactured here? Uh, actually, for for so long, for about three years now, uh, wala maliliit yung nakikita natin or nahuhuli natin na clandestine laboratories dito sa Pilipinas. Dahil simula nung 2016, pagpasok na ating presidente, talagang nabuwag na natin halos, na dismantle na natin halos ang mga clandestine na laboratories ng Pilipinas. So, it, with with the uh, kind of uh, packaging na nakuha natin eh may semblance kasi ito ng uh, packaging uh, originating in uh, Golden Triangle particularly sa Myanmar mm. so we believe that uh, this uh, methamphetamine ay galing sa overseas galing sa sa Myanmar particularly Director General do you think the smuggling of these um, um, drugs would have been possible without any help from within the government I I believe uh, for the past uh, since 2020 nung nag uh, Director General ako ay uh, nakakuha tayo ng uh, yung droga eh not necessarily na dederecho papuntang uh, border natin, papuntang customs. But uh, for two occasions, eh, uh, nakakuha tayo ng uh, more than uh, 580 kilos of shabu coming from international water, shipside operation ang tawag natin. Kung saan yung mother vessel ng uh, smugglers ay nato sa inter- international water while a smaller vessel coming from a coast sa Pilipinas ay eh, susunduin yung uh, kukunin yung mga contraband or the smuggled uh, meth. Ganon din yung nangyari uh, two months ago ng uh, bust ng uh, NBI na kung saan 1.5 tons of shabu were uh, interdicted somewhere in the coastline of Infanta, Quezon. So, alam natin at itong mga transnational drug trafficking organization is really doing their uh, thing para talagang maipasok ang droga uh, dito sa Pilipinas. Because bottom line, marami pa rin ang uh, consumer or uh, users or addict dito sa ating bansa. That is why if we really want to, to, uh, to put a stop dito sa problema natin sa illegal na droga, uh, while the uh, security forces are... Uh, talagang pinapahinto itong pagpasok na illegal na droga dito sa ating bansa. Dapat, yung counterparts naman natin from the local government units, other government agencies, and stakeholders should do their part. Mm. 
through the intervention program dito sa ating mga persons who use, use drugs or uh, in the street uh, word, itong mga addict natin sa Pilipinas. Director General, what do you say to the observation that these um, operations, uh, bypassed operations in recent days, only point to the failure of the Duterte's um, drug war? Dahil hindi pa po, wala pa pong isang linggo um, uh, ng nakakababa itong si Pangulong uh, Duterte mula sa pagkapangulo. Pagkatapos magkakaroon ito ng uh, ganitong klaseng kalaki na drug bypass operations which may only point to what some critics of uh, the Duterte administration say the failure really of his administration to curb um, illegal drugs or the use of illegal drugs here in the country, Director General? It's not a failure. Uh, actually, it is a success of our government. Sa itong pagkakahuli natin, it is a uh, indicator of success by our government na our system works because nakukuha natin. Uh, remember, Ma'am uh, Carmina, hindi lang naman ang Pilipinas ang may problema nito. Even the United States of America ay eh, talagang binobombard ng uh, uh, pagpasok ng illegal na droga sa kanilang borders and yet they have the most sophisticated border control pangalawa yung mga sea vessels nila ay eh, talaga malaki yung ma mataas na ang level ng sophistication ng kanika nilang mga uh, controls particularly sa coastline it's not a failure it is a success as far as the uh, uh, our anti-drugs or war on drugs is, con is concerned. But uh, may kailangan pa tayong tapusin kasi hindi naman pwedeng over. It will not stop for the, for the next six years. Mm -hmm. Kasi ang aim natin is for the users, all the users, nung pumasok ang ating presidente, 4 million ang users na sinabi niya. Until may sumorender ng 1.2 million users and out of that more than half million ang nabigyan natin ng na rehabilitation but still meron pang kalahating million na hindi pa nalalapatan na intervention program at meron pang darating na would be users na ma na pwedeng maging users ng illegal na droga so it's a continuing process until such time that not a single users will use drugs then we can call it a success but it is still work in progress. Mm. And uh, I believe uh, ang ating uh, Pangulong uh, Ferdinand uh, Romualdez Marcos Jr. Eh, sinabi na dito naman siya papasok dun sa alternative dito sa rehabilitation and reintegration part. Yeah, let's, is... let's zero in on that, uh, Director General, because when you were breaking down um, how the number of users really lessened um, in the past um uh, years during the Duterte administration. Nabanggit niyo po dyan yung mga nag-surrender, nagparehab. Hindi po niyo nabanggit yung mga napatay din po um, to, uh, under this drug war. Pagdating po dito sa bagong uh, termino, dito sa bagong uh, um, Pangulo natin, si Pangulong Marcos po, um, is this going to change? Do you think that we'll be seeing less and less of these um, suspected users getting killed in the name of the drug war? Yes, uh, for the information of everybody, yung sinasabing namatay, eh hindi naman ganun kalaki. Out of the, uh, out of the total, 345 arrested uh, persons ng dito sa 16 year ng ating presidente, 
239 operations, 1,000 operations ang nakandak dito. Out of the 239 operations, 6,252 lang ang namatay sa anti-drug operation. Uh, that is what uh, PDEA has in our database. Now, magpapatuloy itong patayan. Pag lalaban talaga sila, uh, uh, sinasabi ko nga doon sa report ko, annual report ko sa ating presidente, eh, PDEA rin, eh, we have the share of death. May namatayan din kami sa PDEA. So, hindi tumatay papayag na sila lang ang pwedeng pumatay at kami, hindi kami pwedeng lumaban sa lahat ng lalaban. It is, it is just, it is self-defense. And uh, as far as PDEA is concerned, uh, yung start ng patayan, it's, it, it, yung pinakamataas nito is 2018. 1920, 21, 22, lesser. Mm. Bakit? Dahil yung mga uh, yung mga sumorender na yung mga nag uh, nag uh, undergo ng rehabilitation ito na yon while in fact before eh wala pa eh wala pang intervention program eh at pag uh, kinandakan mo ng anti-drug operation tapos basag na basag yung tao eh talagang malalaban kasi you don't know uh, what's on their mind because they are addicted to drugs. So Director General, of... yeah, let me just cut you there, and I, I really apologize for this. I just want to go back to um, the recent drug operations. Sinabi niyo po, meron sa Quezon City over the weekend, nasundan po ito ng isa pang mas malaking um, by-bust operation. Ito ho bang dalawang operation ito ay um, um, konektado po sa isa't isa? Yes, magkasama silang dalawa. Actually, yung yung item nitong sikay is galing dun sa Dasmarinas na kung saan yun yung bodega naman na doon natin nahulas nahuli si uh, si Lynn, Mr. And how big is the and how big is the network? Sa tingin niyo po? Ma, ga, ganito eh. Uh, yung droga natin right now is coming from the Golden Triangle namamarefacture ito sa Myanmar. Now, those uh, transnational drug syndicates are not here in the Philippines. Di, naandun sila sa labas. They will only uh, recruit people dito sa Pilipinas at pinipili nila yung mga Chinese nationals na matagal na dito sa Pilipinas. Mm-hmm. Yun now, nga po yung isang tanong ko. Itong mga nahuli nyo po, gano'n na sila katagal dito sa Pilipinas? Matagal na, matagal na. Marunan magtagalog itong si Kai. At the same time, marami pa silang, uh, maraming grupo pa ito, iba't iba, pero iba't ibang connection. Bottom line is connection ito ng uh, Golden Triangle uh, Drug Syndicate. So, while we are catching these people on our border, dito sa ating bansa, is cut free pa rin yung member ng main syndicate na nagre-recruit sa atin. Bottom line, Papasok pa rin at papasok ang droga for as long as merong users na gumagamit dito sa mga merchandise na ipinapapasok nila. Mm. Uh, finally, before we let you go, uh, Director General, I know that you're um, there sitting as Director General of uh, uh, the PDEA on a holdover capacity. Um, but how do you think the drug war will look under the Marcos presidency? 
I believe we have already this strategy in place uh, under the Philippine Anti-Drug Strategy, which is the supply reduction, demand reduction, focusing more on the rehabilitation and reintegration program. That will complete itong uh, main strategy ng PDEA, which is the Barangay Drug Clearing Program. The thing is, tatlong stages ito. Uh, naka, medyo mataas na ang level natin sa foundation and the pivotal stage. However, there is really still a need to pursue yung sustainability stage wherein dun talaga siya papasok, yung, yung uh, rehabilitation and reintegration. Dito mawawala, dito natin mabibigyan ng solusyon yung problema natin sa dami ng drug users nating bansa. So, whoever will replace me, PDEA, is a really tailored fit to any uh, to to that kind of uh, anti-drug strategy and our people are professional and excellent driven na mga tao at uh, we believe that whoever will be appointed here eh, talagang mag, mag uh, talagang mag uh, our people will act uh, solidly on uh, behind our president Pidea Director General Wilkins Villanueva, we appreciate you taking our call. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Take care po and keep safe. Thank you and good day. And from there, we're going to take a break now. Up ahead, the Philippine Health Department eyes adding COVID-19 vaccines as part of its regular immunization program. We'll give you details of that story and more when Dateline Philippines returns. Stay with ANC. We are back. You're still with Dateline Philippines here on ANC. Here's another look at our headlines this noon. President Ferdinand Marcos Jr. meets with officials of the Agriculture Department amid a looming food crisis. Malakanim says it will be just a matter of time before the president fills up the vacancies in his cabinet. The lawmakers seeking an extension of the terms of president and vice president says the country's current top two leaders will not benefit from his proposal. And new COVID cases in the Philippines top 1,000 for the fourth straight day. The Philippines logs over 1,000 new COVID-19 cases for the fourth straight day. The health department on Sunday reported 1,323 new infections. That's the highest daily tally in over four months. Over 600 of the cases were recorded in Metro Manila. The number of active cases now stands at 9,703, the highest since April 27. The government, however, has no plans to implement stricter measures yet, but it reminds the public to keep following minimum health protocols, especially the wearing of face masks. As cases continue to rise, the health department eyes adding COVID-19 vaccines as part of its regular immunization program. The DOH is currently reviewing its policies in a bid to increase penetration of vaccines and boosters more than two years into the pandemic and at the start of a new administration. Over 70 million Filipinos have received two doses of a COVID-19 vaccine, but only two out of 10 of that number have gotten their booster shots. Health experts have said the slow uptake in boosters may be a factor in the recent spike of infections. 
And for more on the steady uptick in new COVID cases in Metro Manila and several parts of the country, we're now joined by Dr. Guido David of the Octor Research Group. Dr. David, good afternoon to you. Thanks for joining us today. Welcome to the program. Hi, yes. Uh... Good afternoon, uh, Carmina. All right, so the numbers climbing to its highest in months. What does that tell you, Dr. David? Well, it tells us that uh, cases are continuing to increase. Um, we have been observing the uptick since uh, early May, and uh, it's been uh, more than a month that we were, we were seeing. In fact, you know, I think it's almost like two months when uh, since we have been seeing the, this uptick in cases. Uh, the uptick has uh, actually uh, increased even further. Now we have a growth rate of about 50% uh, weekly. So that means cases are 50% higher compared to the previous week. Although there are some indications that it may have already started to slow down. It, it doesn't mean it's peaked already. Mm. It, it d does suggest that uh, the possibility that cases could peak in one to two weeks if uh, you know, if if that trend holds, uh, but this is not yet certain. Um, what we do know is that we expect cases to increase even further. Um, it could probably uh, exceed 2,000, or maybe even reach 3,000 cases per day in the whole country. Dr. David, can the government stand aside and observe the numbers go up? Can can the government afford to do that at this point? Because we have enough buffer, healthcare utilization uh, remains low. Um, although we're having problems with the booster shots, um, but is it still manageable that government just won't do anything at this point? Well, uh, Carmina, we uh, as we all know, the uh, uh, managing the pandemic is uh, really a tough balancing act. And in the past, uh, the economy has had to take a backseat. To, uh, public health and this happened last year um, during the two waves of infections uh, because we didn't have vaccines yet at that time and uh, you know um, in uh, August last year during the Delta wave we reached about 25,000 cases per day I mean uh, it, it was actually higher than that um, and uh, but our hospitals were overwhelmed and that is the primary reason that uh, we actually had to go to lockdowns because the doctors the frontliners the hospitals were being overwhelmed and there were a lot of people you know dying outside hospitals or could not get the hospital um, care that they needed um, but uh, looking at uh, what happened in january we didn't have to lock down because we already had uh, uh, vaccinations. Now, that being said, of course, um, there's some uh, aspect of waning immunity that we have to consider. Um, but so far, hospital utilization has remained low. Uh, it's still around 23% in Metro Manila. It increased very slightly. We don't project that hospitals will be filled up. And uh, again, uh, because it's a balancing act, um, I think this time the public health will have to take a backseat um, to uh, the economy, meaning that you know our priority is getting the economy back on track, uh, especially with all the challenges that lie ahead with inflation, mm -hmm. rising prices, and everything. Um, you know the jobs that people have are very important right now. Um, there's still the, I mean, public health is not, we're not minimizing uh, the threat of the virus. It's still there, um, but we hope and we think that it, it could probably be managed 
but we have to remind the public to follow the minimum uh, public health standards, um, wear face masks, and if possible, they could get boosters. So uh, personal responsibility this time is uh, key here uh, because um, the way uh, we understand it, it's, it, I mean, the, the economy can't really... Uh, afford to have another uh, lockdown. Mm. And part of that ba balancing act, uh, Dr. David, is that we contain the numbers in the areas where the healthcare system is more sophisticated compared to other areas. But because of the increased mobility that people now have, um, what is the story in the provinces? Do you also see that because of the increased mobility that the numbers will spread there, that we'll also see an uptick in cases in the provinces where the healthcare system may not be as sophisticated? Dr. David. Uh, those are good points, um, Carmina. And uh, right now we're seeing the increase in cases uh, mainly in NCR and parts of Calabarzon, parts of central Luzon are starting to see an uptick. Um, we're also seeing it in western Visayas and in um, uh, Benguet region. Uh, there's also some uh, uh, optics now being observed in regions one and three. Uh, in Mindanao, we're not yet seeing a significant um, uptick in cases, uh, but, but you're correct. Um, these cases will, uh, the infection will likely be spreading to the provinces sometime in the near future. I mean, it may have already started spreading in some provinces, but the level is still very low right now. And uh, the, the, the factors, I mean, these could affect the hospital um, system differently in provinces. So that's why we're monitoring those as well, uh, to track if there are hospitals that could be in danger of being overwhelmed in the provinces. Mm. And as we speak, um, Dr. David, I mean, we're talking about numbers, we're talking about appropriate action, we're talking about still adhering to health uh, protocols. We talk about these things without a health secretary still in place. How important is it um, that a health secretary is appointed already by uh, this newly installed government? Well, it's it's important, but I think they're uh, you know taking their time because I think the um, well my impression is that there are several uh, very good candidates. They're, they're usually very good candidates for health secretary, and they're probably uh, you know uh, choosing between uh, among them uh, the best candidate. Um, uh, we hope that the uh, new health secretary could be a could be appointed uh, very soon, you know, within the next one to two weeks, um, you know, especially since cases are rising right now. And uh, we need, uh, you know, someone, uh, a capable health secretary at the helm uh, to guide us. And, uh, you know, we, we have uh, in the past recommended or uh, at least suggested that the health secretary be someone who's, you know, uh, uh, you know, champion for the Filipino people and who will really fight for, you know, public health and uh, and also be a good spokesperson and a good administrator. So so we hope, um, you know, and we're optimistic that the new health secretary will have those uh, characteristics and we're hoping, you know, to find, uh, well, to see uh, who the n next one will be over the coming weeks. And as we wait for that name, what's that one thing that this new health secretary must do to make the pandemic response better to benefit all Filipinos? Well, there are, there are, there are several that they should do. Um, of course, uh, 
you know, aside from uh, the balancing act that we uh, talked about, um, you know, scale up healthcare systems, uh, you know, and implement a build, build, build for hospitals, you know, address the concerns of the um, frontliners, the nurses in particular, who are uh, asking for a higher pay because right now we're having, uh, you know, um, in a drain uh, our, you know, system of uh, uh, human resource being drained because people are migrating uh, overseas. And uh, we still have to continue the monitoring, um, genome sequencing, um, and, and we have to look into the, you know, you know other diseases as well. And uh, I think these are some of the things. And, of course, the health secretary should be, uh, you know, science-driven. Science of course, uh, health secretary will most likely be a doctor. Not necessarily so, um, but uh, th their decisions should be based on data. And that's why it's important to have the, the proper data around. And, of course, like I said, uh, a good spokesperson and someone who can communicate and gain the trust of the Filipino people. So, um, overall... You know, uh, they have to give the you know right recommendations as to what our direction should be, and uh, if we are going to exit the pandemic, I mean, if I mean that's already been in discussion, um, sometime within the next few months or so, um, the health secretary should lay out a, a good exit strategy uh, for the pandemic. We're going to have to leave it at that, Dr. Guido David, fellow of the Octa Research Group. Thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate it. Take care and keep safe. Thank you. More news now. Tragedy in Copenhagen. Three people are confirmed dead in the Danish capital Sunday after a gunman opened fire at a shopping mall. Several others are wounded, three of them in critical condition. Police have arrested a 22-year-old man, although it was too early to establish a motive. Police said they cannot yet rule out an act of terrorism. Witnesses quoted by Danish media said the suspect had tried to trick people to approach him by saying his weapon was fake. Security has been tightened around the mall and across Copenhagen. In business, some relief for motorists this week as prices of some local petroleum products are set for a rollback. Diesel prices will go down by 3 pesos per liter tomorrow, while a liter of kerosene will now be 3 pesos and 40 centavos cheaper. But the price of gasoline will see no movement. Global crude prices fell last week after OPEC and its allies stuck to a previously decided output boost for August. Russia's invasion of Ukraine has exacerbated concerns about oil supplies, sending prices to record highs this year. In sports, Gilas Filipinas gets back on track in the FIBA World Cup Asian qualifiers. The Philippine national basketball team walloped India 79-63. Gilas had just come from a 46-point beating at the hands of New Zealand. Leading the way against India was Dwight Ramos, who finished with 21 points, 5 boards and 4 steals. Gilas ended the first round with a 2-2 record, good enough to advance to the next phase. Meanwhile, Filipino center Kai Soto will not play in the FIBA Asia Cup in Indonesia. That's according to Gilas Pilipinas program director and head coach Chot Reyes. He says Soto has decided to do other things and forgo the FIBA Asia Cup. For more on this story, head on over to news.abs-cban.com. And that'll do it for today. Thanks for joining us. I'm Carmino Constantino. If you want to revisit today's episode, you can play back this newscast on ANC's YouTube channel and on ANC 24-7 on Facebook. Keep safe. Keep it here on ANC.